Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Right now, we have uh, Ryan Payne, and Ryan Payne is the President and Chief Investment Officer of Payne Capital Management. He's also host of a WABC program every Saturday, right after Larry Kudlow with Steve Moore. It's on from 1 to 2 p.m. So welcome back to Cats at Night, Ryan Payne. Ryan Payne, interesting days. I'll tell you what, it's a a more painless day, Uh, no pun intended. Usually I come on and the market sold off hundreds of points. So uh, I'll take what we can get here, John. Uh, Understood. Now, uh, Elon Musk surrendered. Did he think he was going to lose? You know, by the way, for those of you uh, who don't know, Elon Musk has said, yes, I will buy uh, Twitter for $44 billion. Uh, The markets in the last two days have gone up almost what, 1,600, 1,700 points, uh, Ryan? It's been a magnificent run uh, over the last two days. That's, that's about right. And, and the Saudis are threatening us. They have a lot of respect for the White House, I guess, the Saudis. Uh, they want to cut uh, a million barrels a day, so that may cause uh, oil to go up anywhere from 10 to $20 a barrel. And now the, uh, the latest news uh, about 10 minutes ago was, well, they may consider cutting a million and a half barrels a day. Tell us what you know, what you hear, and let's discuss. Well, I think first off, I mean, it's a little bit of a problem because I think the one catalyst here for the market is we've actually finally started to see inflation come down on the ground floor, right? I mean, we saw oil prices come down. John, you and I talk about it. You know, you were one of the first people to talk about oil coming down under 100 uh, you know, we've been down as low as under $80 a barrel, and now we're down in the, we're back in the mid-80s. So I, I think it's really, really critical here that we either open up North America, we, cr- we create supply somewhere, because I don't think you can really rely on OPEC here. OPEC really likes $100 oil, um, and we know that's very inflationary, and that's very bad for the American consumer, and that's what we're trying to avoid here at all costs. I mean, it's that uh, when we, we talked last Friday – uh, we talked about there was a struggle between the nations that wanted to get paid more for oil, which was Russia and OPEC nations. They want they wanted a hundred dollars a barrel, and it looks like uh, they must have listened to us talking because uh, it's headed that way. You got to stop the Russians from listening to your show, John. That's the first rule. <laughs> and, well, we we said that the KGB does listen to our show. I know, and it's a problem. It's a problem, and you know, the question is, why can't the Biden administration help us build more supply here, right? Why can't we open up North America? You know, why can't we get American oil out there in the market to keep prices low, which we need to keep inflation low? We were down to seventy-five dollars a barrel, and now kaput. Uh, yeah, interest rates. Uh, does it look like? Uh, Interest rates are are, are, are going to stop going up? Or what? Give us your gut feeling. Yeah. My gut feeling is I said the, the Fed has to blink with raising interest rates, and I think they will. Um, I mean, I think we saw that globally you know, with Australia coming out, and their hike was less than expected. So I, I, I'm optimistic. I do think we may be at the upper end here uh, with interest rates. You know, you saw the 10 years down from the tie few years down from its high. So I just think the Fed here, look, you couldn't trust the Fed 12 months ago when they said they weren't even thinking about raising interest rates. Why should we trust them now that they're going to follow through on all their interest rate hikes? So my gut is they are going to have to blink here. And if they blink, 
you know, that's very good for the economy because inflation has come down on the ground floor and it's unnecessary to take this economy over the brink. And that's what the Fed is pretty much telling you that they've intended to do. But I don't think they're going to follow through with it. Ryan, this is Craig Eaton. I'm an attorney here in New York, and I do a lot of transactional work, commercial and residential closings. And when the rates hit 7% last week, it was like a full stop in the real estate market. It was Zillow. Looking at all these properties on Zillow, every one of them, prices were reduced because people are getting scared. That's exactly right. And now, to some fairness, right? that's what the Fed intended to do. They wanted to slow off an economy that's just been overheated. But you're, to your point, you get, a, you get mortgage rates up to 7%, and it takes it to a screeching halt. And we know. We know the real estate market's a huge part of our economy, a huge part of our GDP. So I, I think they have to soften. Interest rates have to come down here a little bit um, to get those markets back going again. Because if they don't, and it stays to a halt, then we're definitely going to go into recession, right? And that's what well, we're Beyond that, they're going to destroy the construction part of the real estate industry, the, the, the construction of larger buildings, the construction of new homes. Uh, people won't buy or sell homes. If you, Why would you sell your home when you have a 3% mortgage yeah. to buy a new home and get a 7% mortgage? I mean, but, it doesn't make any sense. But, John, also also all the industries that get affected. You have lawyers. You have title insurance companies. You have home inspectors. You have termite inspectors. You have mortgage brokers. That's right. There are so many industries and people in those industries that rely on the income that they derive from a residential or commercial transaction. And you're shutting all of these people out. I mean, it's scary. There's got to be other ways to tame inflation than destroying the country. You know, Craig, and a good point there is lumber costs have already come back to where they were pre-pandemic, right? So a lot of the damage or the the inflation that they're trying to to bring in, it's already been done, right? So at this point, there's no reason the Fed shouldn't take their foot off the brake. I mean, it's you've already seen costs come down. Energy prices are still down significantly from where they were. And we know that almost every part of manufacturing is touched by, you know, what happens with oil, oil prices. So I, I think to your point here, right, it's like at this point, uh, we, we've already had the inflation readjustment, right? It's not showing up in the numbers yet, but it's going to over the next couple of months. Hence, again, the Fed's really, really got to back off here. And, Ryan, more people than ever now, Americans, it used to be about 38 percent of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck. Now it's 45 percent. People just can't afford just daily things anymore. I read some article that some Americans are now skipping a major meal a day. They can't it's afford- very sad. Look at milk. Look how much yes. milk is. I'm a major meal a day, but uh, I'm doing that for other reasons. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. And you've that's got not people as intimate that- and fasting. That's different. Yeah, and you've got people yeah. that are retired going back into the job market. And it. I mean, do we see this kind of easing? And, and yet the Democrats want to tout like just how great the economy is. Yeah, you can't say it's great when you have 8% inflation and wages are only going up by 5%, right? That math doesn't work. That's called negative wage growth. <laughs> and that's not how you have built a strong economy. Now, you know, the optimist in me, and I like to, to leave it on an optimistic note, is inflation is, in fact, coming down. The labor market is still one of the strongest we've ever seen in history. You know, for every two jobs, there's only one person looking. So I do think wage growth is going to stay strong. And I do think if inflation does come down, though so it hasn't coming down, you know, we're going to be in a position where we may even avoid a real severe recession. I think it's realistic. But again, it all comes back to the Fed and the Fed here not being as aggressive as they're talking. Now, one thing, there was somebody on television before. I think I was uh, I forget who I was watching. And he says with Elon Musk and on Twitter, because I, I can't something in my stomach says not everything is as it 
we think it is. And, and he said that uh, uh, Elon Musk um, is playing chess while all the rest of us are playing checkers. John, can I just answer that for a second? Because the Please. trial is two weeks away. So one of the things that Elon Musk's attorneys were saying is, we will only buy if you drop your lawsuit. So I think it was a, a somewhat of a negotiation where he felt like if he went to trial, he would lose. And there's a lot of million dollars, a lot of millions of dollars no, at wait, stake. Wait, wait, wait. A lot of billions. Billions of dollars yeah, at stake. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the lawsuit. You're, 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 you're in the last century. Yeah. No, but I'm saying in the lawsuit. They were suing him for how many, how many, was I it millions know. or billions? But I think that he was afraid that if he lost the trial, he would lose a lot of money. So he agreed to settle. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. It sounds like he's more forced into buying, yeah. um, you know, than anything else. And buying it at $44 billion was better than the lawsuit uh, that he was going to have to contend with. So, but on the other hand, you know, I don't, I don't mind having Elon Musk running Twitter. I mean, I think I'd rather have Elon great. Musk yeah. uh, running Twitter than those bozos. And I will say the word again. I don't call people names, but the people at Twitter are a bunch of bozos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except agree? for the people on Twitter. Yeah. But I agree. Well, maybe I agree. the guys I mean, at Facebook yeah. are, are getting coming close to it too. <laughs> but I think in this this you know culture we have right now, um, where you can't say anything in the censorship. I mean, you need you need an Elon Musk, right? You need somebody to counter that. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Somebody that has the courage to say what's right. That's what it comes. And, down and he's going to let Trump back on Twitter, so he's got the courage to do that. Does that mean Trump's stock goes to zero? <laughs> but Trump said he doesn't want to get back on Twitter. We'll see. <laughs> he yeah, will eventually. He will. Yep. <laughs> There's too many people on Twitter for him to say no. Let's be honest. Well, thank you so much, Ryan Payne. Again, your show every Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m. with Steve Moore right after Larry Kudlow. If you want to know what's going on economy-wise in the markets, listen to WABC every Saturday morning into the afternoon. Thank you so much, Ryan Payne, and that's Payne with a Y. Thank you so much. How about no pain, no gain? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. I like that. That's right. Without pain, you're not going to have any gain. Yeah, that's a good one, Thank too. you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.